One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Welcome in, everybody. Episode Calhoun, 7. NASCAR icon. Fern Hart Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Podcast presented by the first sports book. It is Friday, July 28th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody, by the way, enjoyed the bonus episode of the Aaron Torres pod on Thursday. As I told you, Colorado would be a member of the Big 12 by the time we recorded Friday. Here we are. Here is what you need to know about today's show. With Colorado officially now in the Big 12, what I want to do is I kind of want to go school by school, team by team, discussing what I believe and what I know about the remaining candidates for the Big 12. What I know about UConn, what I know about Oregon, what I know about Arizona, what I know about Arizona State, Utah, etc. We'll go school by school, and I'm just going to kind of give you that 30,000-foot view of where we are with the Big 12, with the Pac-12. Can the Pac-12 survive? All that good stuff. From there, we'll take a quick break. Really fun interview, Nate Boyer. Nate Boyer was a former Green Beret, uh, played, by the way, major college football at Texas and in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. He is now a the host of a new show called Survive the Raft on Discovery Channel. It debuts this coming Sunday, and I get an interview with Nate Boyer. Really fun interview, great guy. We talk about the show. But we also talk about his time at Texas playing for Mac Brown, his time with the Seahawks playing for Pete Carroll. Really fun interview with Nate Boyer tonight. And then finally, we wrap with our Friday staple segment, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. So much to discuss. Oh, by the way, one quick scheduling note for next week. Not sure if there will be an early Monday Aaron Torres pod. I have a commitment on Sunday night, so it remains to be seen. We'll try to get you an episode at some point on Monday. We will see what happens. And oh, by the way, if something crazy happens over the weekend, I will obviously get you an episode. But right now, the Monday morning episode, a little up in the air. Check back Monday evening. Certainly check back Tuesday as well. Then we're on the normal schedule for a few weeks before I do take a quick vacation uh, in mid-August before football season. Football's coming. We got a lot to get to over these next couple weeks. The Monday show, though, up in the air. With that said, let's not waste any more time and let's get to the topic of the day. Topic of the day, listen, I told you on Thursday, remember we did a bonus episode Thursday, Aaron Torres pod, and it was based on the news that Colorado was essentially, at that point, unofficially leaving for the Big 12. As I told you, the reports were that the two sides had had discussions I said, bottom line, a Pete Thamel, a Ross Dellinger, they don't report on discussions unless something is already done. And so because of it, I said, this is going to happen before we record Friday's episode. It does happen on Thursday afternoon. As you listen, Colorado is a member of the Big 12 for the 2024 football season and beyond. What I want to do now, though, and where I think this will get interesting and where we can make this an interesting conversation is to discuss what is next. 
And we did a little bit, a lot of it really on Thursday's Aaron Torres pod. But what I want to do is essentially do a notebook style segment here on the Aaron Torres pod. And what I mean by that is, you know, the old newspaper notebook columns where uh, a, a, a reporter, a writer would share everything that they're hearing kind of in bullet point segments. Well, over the last probably four or five months, I've had a ton of calls with people, sources, whatever you want to call them about the future of college sports and specifically this Big 12, Pac-12 stuff. And so what I want to do is share everything I know as of this moment about the present and future of both the Big 12 and Pac-12 and what could happen next. Before we get to individual schools, um, I think the most important thing that we need to discuss is that pretty much all of this, the future of both the Big 12 and the Pac-12 comes down to what number does the Big 12 decide to go to when everything is settled? As of right now, when Texas and Oklahoma leave next season, the Big 12 will actually have 13 schools. Colorado joins next season. And of course, Central Florida, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston join this season. Texas and Oklahoma are there. And so the question becomes, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, the Big 12 is not going to stay at 13. So does it go to 14 or does it go to 16 and match the same number of schools that the SEC and the Big 10 will have at that point? Because the bottom line, if you take nothing else out of this, if the Big 12 decides to go to 16, almost certainly most, if not all of those schools will come from the Pac-12. And because of it, that is kind of the key to the future of the Pac-12. If the Big 12 decides to stay at 14, I think the Pac-12 probably survives. If the Big 12 decides to go to 16 and takes three to four Pac-12 schools, including Colorado, then that conference is in big trouble. So let me tell you what I know here as of what? About 7.30 Eastern time on Thursday. In terms of number 14 for the Big 12, the first school that I continue to want to talk about, not, not what I want to talk about, what I believe is the most important school to talk about here is UConn. And I know there's a lot of conflicting reports on UConn right now. I have been very steadfast. I believe they are in line to get a potential bid to the Big 12. But I've also seen multiple reports from other outlets that maybe, you know, they, they have fallen to the back of the line. I saw a Brett McMurphy report, which, by the way, had some holes in it. We'll get to in a minute that says the focus is solely on Pac-12 schools. Then they will circle back to UConn. What I can tell you, as of late Wednesday into Thursday, UConn still felt and feels very good that they will eventually get a bid to the Big 12. Stuff is fluid. Stuff can change. But I am here to tell you, I got, uh, let me just say, I know for a fact that UConn, as of Thursday or Thursday morning, after the Colorado news, felt very good that they will end up in the Big 12. Now, what this could come down to, and we've talked about it, it could come down to the wants and desires of the commissioner, Brett Yormark, versus the wants and desires of the 12 schools that are currently in the Big 12. 13 if you include Colorado, but I don't think we include Colorado in this conversation. I've said it many times. Other people have said it. I'm not the only one. If it was solely up to Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, I believe that UConn would be school number 14. 
And it's for all the reasons we've discussed before. Brett Yormark is a Northeast guy. Prior to coming to the Big 12, he worked at Rock Nation, which is an agency based out of New York. And I think he sees value in UConn from two places. One, it is a bridge to the New York City market. So now, you know, listen, maybe instead of bringing Kansas to Stores, Connecticut, maybe you play a neutral site game at Madison Square Garden and call it a Big Big 12 game, excuse me. Maybe you have an out-of-conference tournament you know, the big, you know, the ACC, SEC challenge, Big 10, Big 12 challenge, whatever. Maybe now you have some sort of Big 12 challenge based out of New York City. Also, UConn, it goes without saying, aligns very much with what we've talked about with Brett Yormark before. Brett Yormark believes in the value of college basketball and that college basketball is very undervalued in the current media market. Also, as I've said many times, when like the next wave beyond this of realignment comes, and if the SEC goes to 20 to 24 schools, same with the Big Ten, when and if the ACC kind of falls apart, the Big 12 wants to make itself the best basketball conference possible to protect itself when the SEC and the Big Ten ultimately expand again. And again, it goes to what I said months ago about this topic, is that when the ACC breaks up, and by the way, I know I'm going in a lot of different directions, but stay with me here. When the ACC breaks up, some of those schools are going to go to the SEC, some are going to go to the Big Ten. At that point, do those two power conferences try to break off and do their own thing? Well, if the Big 12 has the best conference in basketball, You can't do that. You have to include the Big 12. So the point I'm trying to make, we can get into this. If it's confusing, I apologize. But the Big 12 is trying to position itself as the best conference in basketball. UConn provides that. The question now is, do you get sign-off from the presidents? Because as I've said many times, as much clout as the commissioner has, while he or she is the public-facing representative of the, the conference, Decisions ultimately come down to the votes of the school presidents. And there are mixed reports if the school presidents really want UConn. What I can say about that, couple things. One, I know that multiple school presidents from the Big 12 have been to UConn's campus. They like what they've heard. They like this. They like that. Um, and most of their questions clearly center around football. Listen, I know I'm a little biased. For people who don't know, I'm not going to try to not be transparent about this. I am a UConn alum. I can tell you, if UConn is in a conference with Jim Moore, they will be okay. I tweeted this out on Thursday afternoon. For all the talk about how committed is UConn to football, you understand that Jim Mora, their football coach, has a better resume than basically any coach currently in the Big 12, right? Like, you understand that. Jim Mora, in what, five seasons, six seasons as a Power 5 head coach, two 10-win seasons, four eight-win seasons. That's more than, by the way, Texas and Oklahoma, their two head coaches, a combined zero 10-win seasons. UConn's head coach has two of them. Sonny Dykes at TCU has one 10-win season. It was last year. Chris Kleiman, one 10-win season. It was last year for Kansas State. Dave Aranda, one 10-win season. It was two years ago at Baylor. So this idea that UConn is so far behind, their coach is as accomplished as anybody, but will the president sign off? That's the big question. And there is one other note that that came out on late Thursday that I think is worth mentioning here. 
Andrew Marshand, who covers the media space for for all sports, he put out a very interesting tweet on Wednesday night that said that basically um, Brett Yormark, that little devil, that genius that he is, negotiated a deal with the TV partners for the Big 12 where any school that gets added from a Power 5 conference automatically gets the same amount of money as all of the other schools in the league. So all the schools, if you add Power 5 schools, you don't have to give up money if you're Oklahoma State, TCU, Houston, UCF, uh, Cincinnati, whoever. That has been negotiated into the deal. Colorado from day one will get a full TV situation, who get a full TV share from the Big 12 without any other school having to sacrifice. So that's important. And that's why I believe that uh, you know, UConn could be behind because they're not a power five school. Now, I have also been told UConn could enter and not get a full share to start, that it could be a two, three, five-year process where they build up to a full share where they kind of, if you will, prove their commitment to football. Listen, I'm out on an island. I'm not backing off. I want to get off UConn and get to everybody else. I believe as of right now, UConn is still in position to head to the Big 12. uh, And I think we'll probably get some information one way or the other here in the coming days. From the non-UConn perspective, the team to me that is most likely to end up in the Big 12, and it's a Pac-12 school, That is the Arizona Wildcats. And what I would say is, listen, if it comes down to the Big 12 doesn't want to go past 14, they're at 13 now, would the Big 12 choose Arizona over UConn? Is it a one or the other? I don't know. That I can't answer. I can't answer who the Big 12 is prioritizing, but I feel confident saying that of every school currently in the Pac-12, the nine that remain, now that Colorado, USC, and UCLA are gone, I believe that Arizona is the most likely to jump. And it's for all the reasons I just mentioned with UConn. But the thing about Arizona that really kind of jumps out to me, it feels like there is a natural, like, like it feels like Arizona is the one school, their fans are ready to jump. And I don't want to speak for every Arizona fan. I know we got a lot of Arizona fans that watch my show and listen to my show. But I think Arizona fans, more than any other fan base, they're ready to make this move. And it's for a few reasons. One, It's about obvious stability, right? Big 12 right now is much more stable than the Pac-12. That's the bottom line. That's the truth. End of story, whatever. Two, there is the basketball element of things as well. By the way, there's the financial stuff that goes without saying. It's more money as of right now. Um, But it's the basketball element of it. And we just mentioned how Brett Yormark, the commissioner, wants to build the best Big 12 basketball power that it can be. You already have Kansas, you already have Houston, you already have Baylor. Maybe you had UConn, maybe you don't. But Arizona makes sense because it very much strengthens the basketball product. I'll say this too, Arizona football is very good, is on the rise as well under Jed Fish. But from the basketball perspective, it makes sense for the Big 12, and I think it makes sense for Arizona too. You think about how bad Pac-12 basketball will be after USC and UCLA leave, it'll be awful. There were three Pac-12 teams that made the NCAA tournament this year. Arizona, UCLA, and USC. Two of them are leaving. And so Arizona, do they want to stay in a conference where they could potentially fall behind? Where they potentially are playing in a one-to-two-bid league every year? That's where the Pac-12 is right now. 
Now, eventually the Pac-12 could add San Diego State, so that helps. But is that enough? I believe Arizona's ready to make a move. Will it happen? My understanding is right now, they don't have an offer, right? So it's no different than uh, anything. Uh, you know, you can like the prettiest girl or a pretty girl. I don't know if the, the Big 12 is the prettiest girl in this case. You can like a pretty girl, but until she says yes, you don't have a date. Until you get an invite to the party, you don't have, you don't have, you can't go. And so as of right now, as I record here again, 7.30, Thursday night, the 27th, things can change, and they do. I don't know that Arizona has an invite, but I believe if they get an invite, they're jumping at it and taking full advantage. And I do think part of this comes down to what is that Pac-12 TV number? Because Colorado left because the Pac-12 uh, did not come up with a TV number, but but Colorado had an offer from the Big 12. Arizona, as of right now, does not. That could change soon. One quick thing I want to clarify. And I saw, again, that goes back to the Brett McMurphy report about part of it was that the Big 12 is targeting the four corner schools, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. I don't believe that at all. And one misnomer that I have heard, I don't think Arizona and Arizona State are tied at the hip, okay? So if you're a Sun Devil fan, I don't know that, like, you might be out of luck. Because I like, like, like I've heard differing things, and I've heard some people. Oh, well, what about Arizona State? What about Arizona State? A couple things. One, their administration is incompetent, and I don't think the administration is even pushing to get to the Big Twelve right now. Um, you know, their 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 uh, school president, Michael Crow, he doesn't care about sports. Hired Herm Edwards, the AD Ray Anderson, Herm Edwards' former uh, agent. He doesn't know what he's doing either. And so I've heard a lot of this. Well, what about Arizona State? We have learned time after time after time after time that state and local affiliations don't matter in this round of realignment. Now, 15 years ago, that was the case. 15 years ago, Oklahoma wouldn't make any move without Oklahoma State. Well, what happened when Oklahoma had the opportunity to go to the SEC? They jumped and left Oklahoma State in the dust. By the way, UCLA left the big uh, the Pac-12 for the Big Ten left Cal Berkeley, part of the same school system, in the dust. Oregon and Washington, if they got an invite to the Big Ten tomorrow, they would leave Oregon State and Washington State in the dust. And so I don't understand this narrative that, like, well, what about Arizona State? Yeah, what about them? You haven't been relevant in a sport that matters in forever, that's on the administration. If they fall behind, they have no one to blame but themselves. Really, lastly, I want to spend some time talking about Oregon and Washington. Because Oregon and Washington have been seemingly tied at the hip. And it's really interesting, right? So so as I said to lead the segment, I would say over the past four to five months, really since basketball season ended, I have had dozens upon dozens of calls with people that I know about realignment. And the one question until recently that I can never get answered, I said, I hear so much about Arizona, Colorado, schools like that with the pack with the Big 12. Previously, it was the four corner schools. I don't think that's as much of a priority anymore. And I asked somebody, I said, why have I not heard anything about Oregon and Washington, which seem to be the two most valuable properties left in the Pac-12? And what I've been told is essentially this. Until maybe recently, which we'll talk about momentarily, I don't believe they've had much interest in going to the Big 12. They just, they don't care. They don't want to do it. Uh, And I asked some people why. And, and they said, really, it's pretty simple. Oregon is kind of taking the charge here. And Oregon, as we know, 
Um, all decisions that get made at Oregon go through the, the desk of Phil Knight. Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Phil Knight, the most powerful person uh, you know, in the state of Oregon, an Oregon alum worth $42 billion. That's $42 billion with a B. And so Phil Knight really has no interest in pursuing anything other than the Big Ten. The Big Ten right now is not expanding beyond their 16. And so what I've been told, Phil Knight doesn't want the Big 12. He doesn't want Oklahoma State and TCU and Houston. No disrespect. It's just facts. He wants to wait, wants to get to the Big Ten and the prestige that comes with Ohio State and Michigan and whoever, Wisconsin, those kind of schools. And so that is why there's been no push from Oregon for the Big Ten, for the Big 12, hoping they would essentially rather stay in the Pac-12, piece it together, and hope in five, seven, ten years, whatever it is, that the Big Ten comes calling again, hopefully sooner. I don't know. One thing I can definitively say, I don't know if that has changed with the Colorado news. And it sounds crazy, right? Like, like why would Colorado make a difference? Colorado's whatever. Well, Colorado does change some things because if you're Oregon, you could sit there and say, we're not leaving for anything other than the Big Ten. But with Colorado leaving, that now leaves the Pac-12 at eight at, at nine schools. If Arizona leaves after that, then you're potentially talking about eight schools. And who knows? Maybe, maybe if Oregon and Washington say no, the Big 12 does go after those corner schools, the Utahs and the Arizona States. I don't think they're a priority right now. But if you if Washington and Oregon say no, so the point is, did the Colorado move make Oregon force them to reconsider? As of right now, this second, I don't believe they have very much interest in the Big 12. But could they reconsider? I think you probably have to. You probably have to take that call. You have to ask questions because you don't want to be the school that is left behind in the Pac-12 if all those corner schools leave. A couple other notes really quick. You know, if you talk about a school that could end up getting screwed in all this, I think it's Utah. Utah, by the way, the two-time reigning Pac-12 champs. And I've heard two differing things on Utah. One, I've heard they don't really have an interest in going to the Big 12, that BYU is in the Big 12, and that they don't want to be seen as chasing or following BYU. I've also been told on the flip side that B- that the Big 12 is like, we don't need two schools in Utah. Like, respectfully, Utah. Got some great listeners in the state of Utah. That we don't want or need two schools in, the, in, in Utah. And so you talk about a school that could end up getting screwed out of a spot. There just might not be enough chairs at the table for Utah. Because again, let's say Arizona goes. Let's say, oh, by the way, maybe Oregon and Washington kind of the light bulb goes off and says, we're going to get left behind there. Does Utah end up as the school that gets screwed? I don't know. Finally, you know, again, to go back to some reports I've seen, well, you know, could the big 12, if they miss on the PAC 12 schools, could they have San Diego state? All I'll say about San Diego state, they're not going anywhere for two years. Remember because of everything that happened the last month, San Diego state now has to wait two full years before they can get out of that mountain West contract. They are not going anywhere. Well, that was a lot on conference realignment. I apologize if I went in a lot of different directions. I'm just trying to get you as much information as I can. um, Because listen, this is what I'm here to do, right? I I think I have some insight that maybe some other people don't. 
I'll be honest. I think my information from day one has been as good as anybody's in the college sports space. And so that is what I have as of Thursday night. Uh, And again, if stuff breaks over the weekend, we'll react to it either in real time, maybe do a show on Monday, but that remains to be seen. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. And when I come back, I want to bring on a very special guest. Nate Boyer is an icon, okay? He is a former Green Beret in the military. He, he then, after his military service, played college football at the University of Texas, had never played football before, walked on at Texas, and ended up playing. Then, how about this? Signs with the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. He is now hosting a show on Discovery called Survive the Raft. I saw an episode of it the other day. It's awesome. It's awesome. It, it airs on Sunday night. First episode was fantastic. Basically, it's like Survivor, but they stick people on a raft and you got to get along and you got to solve problems and all that kind of stuff. It's a great show. Nate Boyer joins me next to talk about the show, to talk about uh, his NFL career, his college career. Is Texas back, baby? And then we'll wrap with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Quick break, Nate Boyer up next. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the UK, over a thousand shops in the UK, and they have now come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of not only all things Aaron Torres Media, but the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred does. I've been telling you that for a year. We have sent listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is rocking. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. And here is what they are doing for you right now. How about this? Bet $50 on any game. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet 50 bucks on anything you want to bet on. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get up to $200 in insurance for your first five weeks as a Betfred customer, totaling $1,111 in free bets. I've told you for a year, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. They're the only book that I bet with. And I want to thank Betfred for being our presenting sponsor. All right, joining me via Zoom. Um, this is really awesome. So I'm very excited uh, to have this guest on. He is a former Green Beret, former Texas Longhorn, uh, Seattle Seahawk. And now he is the host of a new show premiering on Discovery this week. Uh, it is called Survive the Raft. And I, I was just telling him, I literally just finished episode one Nate Boyer joining me. First of all, Nate, how you doing, man? How's everything going? I'm doing well. I'm hanging in there, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So I want to lay out this show and I want to get your thoughts as both an insider, but then also a pseudo outsider. So the the concept of this show is uh, it it was kind of based off of an experiment that was done in the 70s. And essentially in the 70s, they they put a bunch of people out to sea and and basically said, figure it out, you know, live together and, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. And so obviously we we've modernized it a little bit, but 
Essentially, there's, I think it's seven, eight people uh, on a raft near an island. So it's a little bit different and there's some challenge elements to it. Um, but but first of all, like, I'm just curious, how did you get involved? And then kind of in your intro to the show, you kind of mentioned, hey, uh, because of my background in the military, because of my background in sports, you know, I, I, I've been in good locker rooms and bad locker rooms, essentially. So is that what appealed to you about this opportunity? And to be clear, you are not one of the participants. You're kind of the host kind of setting everything up for us. So I hope that made sense. And, and I, yeah. I, I want to give you the floor. No, I mean, that was, uh, you nailed it, uh, for the most part, Okay, uh, I'll okay, say, okay. I'll say, no, no, it was good. Um, and I'm glad you got a chance to watch that. That's really cool. But yeah, 50 years ago, uh, this anthropologist named Santiago Henaves, he put 10 people on that raft you were mentioning, and they floated from the Canary islands in Spain to Mexico, which is insane in its sure. own right. Yeah. I mean, that's across the Atlantic ocean and it took 101 days and, you know, there was near mutiny. Uh, there was all kinds of conflict and, I mean, danger and uh, sex and a lot of other stuff. It was kind of a wild, uh, the tabloids got a hold, hold of this thing, uh, the story, and they called it the sex raft, uh, which didn't even tell an ounce of the actual story of like what had happened. Um, because these people from radically different backgrounds sort of came together and figured it out because they had to, because like you're taken away from the creature comforts and your own, in, in you know, your, your typical devices and now you're just on your own devices with these people that uh, uh, you don't know, and you do know they don't have anything in common with you, and you got to figure it out. And they did. You know, they found a way. So we said, "All right." Well, Discovery said, "All right, we're going to recreate this, um, and we're going to we're going to make it a little bit different." It's uh, uh, and so we, you know, they put nine people on this raft. Um, they recreated the raft, by the way, to spec. Oh, cool. It's yeah, it's called the Akali Two. Um, and it was in Panama and the Pearl Islands. And, uh, so they're floating out there for 21 days and these people, they didn't know each other. They know anything about each other. They just knew they're going to be with very different people. Right. Uh, and then they're, they're offered these opportunities to earn some money, you know, to do some of these challenges, um, all the while they do have to survive out there. They got to figure out, you know, food and shelter and, you know, there's the weather and the elements and all kinds of things happening and they can't, there's no alone time. Like there's no escape. You know what I mean? You are, you are with these people the whole time. So, uh, the reason they, that the discovery approached me was, as you said, you know, being in those different locker rooms and, and being in the military and going on deployments with, you know, 12, uh, other special forces soldiers that oftentimes I didn't know much about, but then quickly having to come together. Right. And, learn about these people and respect them. And you don't always agree with them and you don't always like them, uh, but you take a bullet for them. Like that is something that's not very common in society. Uh, and there's obviously we're not going to war on, on the raft out there, but, uh, but in a, in a sense they are maybe, there's no bullets flying. <laughs> yeah, but, sure, sure, sure. You know, but it's this a similar thing. Like you gotta just, you gotta, you gotta be vulnerable. You gotta be, uh, uh, you gotta sacrifice some things. And then you got to be a, a good teammate. You know, you just got to be there for the group. And, and that is not always easy. And we make it as hard as humanly possible uh, just to see what people are capable of. Well, and that was what I was going to ask you. So, you know, again, you having been in leadership positions, all that, how hard is it for you as a host? You know, everybody said, you know, it's it's real life, right? Everybody says they're about the right things. Oh, I eat right. I exercise. And then it comes time to, you know, get up at 6 a.m. And, and you know, get 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 to that, uh, you know, to that to the gym. 
And so it's kind of the same elements on this show where I'm sure, you know, you've been in touch with these people, so we don't have to name names. I don't want to be disrespectful of anybody, but like everybody says they're about the right things. And then literally within 30 seconds, it's like, okay, it's time to do something. And this person's yelling at this person. This person doesn't trust that person. Like as an outsider, but also somebody who's dealing with these people, I would assume essentially every day. What was that experience like for you? It was, it was, uh, it was definitely challenging. And it's funny you mentioned that because when I first heard about the concept, you know, and, and what we were going to be doing, I was like, oh, I would crush this. Like, sure. this is, this is right up my alley. Like I know how to win hearts and minds and I know how to, I'm a chameleon. I can get in, I can be around anybody and just, you know, figure that out and be the ultimate teammate. And then I'm out there and I see what's presented to them all the while knowing that millions of people are going to watch every step they take and the choices they make. And all of a sudden I'm second guessing myself, like, hmm, like <laughs> would I do that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd be great at this and maybe I, maybe I would struggle. Uh, and maybe this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And I didn't even have to do it. You know, I mean, I was just watching it and observing it and, and uh, sort of, uh, um, you know, con conducting some things and, and uh, facilitating, but not actually having to be that 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 vulnerable person in those positions. And so that uh, that was eye opening for me. I learned a lot uh, from this experience. And um, but you know what? They, I'll say about the, the the crew there. They were they were they were bold, man. I mean mm -hmm. they they were who they were, uh, and they weren't you know apologetic about it. But at the same time they learned a lot along the way. And I can't wait to, for you to see the rest of it because the way that things progress and the way that the, uh, uh, I don't want to say the characters, they're not characters because they're just, they're people. It's so, it's such a like, it's a very real and raw show that uh, it's hard to do. Um, the way that they grow uh, and and change and kind of helped me grow and change and open my eyes to some things was was pretty impactful. And uh, and that's, I think that's the point of, of why Discovery wanted to do this is, you know, deep down, of course, we want to entertain, but like, what can we do to make the world a better place? How can we change people's uh, hearts and maybe open their minds a little bit and help bring this place back together? I mean, 50 years ago, the country was very divided, just like it is today. You know, back then it was the Vietnam War and Watergate, and Roe v. Wade, and now Roe v. Wade is back in the headlines. And, you know, we're coming out of the of 20 year war in Afghanistan and Iraq and there's just all, there's so many similarities. We're just getting pulled apart and, you know, being a part of a show that's trying to make some sort of an effort uh, to bring people together and, and show some different perspectives and, and see people that normally would never even have a conversation, have to work together uh, for a common goal. I think it's pretty cool. So you said you learned a lot of stuff just by observing, uh, you yeah. know, again, no spoilers for the show, but what, what have you learned? Again, the show's called surviving the raft and will be on Sunday on discovery. What, what did you, what would you say the lessons that you learned as, as somebody observing these people? I mean, you know, you, you're around, you're around, um, folks enough that, that have very diverse backgrounds and you kind of feel after a while, like ah, I got it figured out. I know how, I know what makes people tick. And I know that it's, I know the decisions these people are going to make and the, uh, um, you know, the, the, they're set, they're set in their ways. These are their beliefs and here's how they're going to react to the situation. And you kind of get, I guess, cocky or even arrogant and thinking that you, you got it all figured out, which I certainly don't. And, um, and I, it, it was thrown right in my face and I saw it, you know, I had my, 
my picks of who I thought was going to do well in these mm. circumstances and who was going to struggle and who was going to be deceitful, you know, and who was going to be brutally honest. And man, I, I was proven wrong so many times. And as this, as the show goes each week, each episode, it's just, there's so many twists and turns and like who you think it's like any good series, you know, who you think is for sure the good guy, maybe isn't the good guy, you know, and who Uh, you're so sure is not going to make it. There's no way that person, I I experienced this in special forces training. I remember there was certain guys. I was like, there's no way they're going to make it, you know? And I felt that about myself too at times, but I did. And those people did. And sometimes the people that I was like, well, that person on paper, they've got it all, they got it all figured out. And then they quit, you know, and you're like, wow. I mean, that stuff happens. So similarly uh, in this uh, experience, in this experiment, I should say, uh, that stuff happens and it's just, it's good to see. It's refreshing to see because we can't, we, we, we got to do our best to not judge and mm-hmm. we're all going to do it. It's an initial instinct of, as a human being, we judge situations, we assess them. Part of that's probably our own survival, but then, you know, having the, um, discipline to sort of take a step back and say, all right, maybe I don't have this all figured out. Let me just listen and watch it play out and see, uh, see what these people are actually all about. Is that, um, you know, I was going to ask you this, but you kind of just hit on it. Uh, lessons about human nature. I mean, again, you know, some people think they're a certain thing or they're not a certain thing. And even in the one episode that I have the opportunity to see, you can see people evolve or maybe devolve. Maybe they're not who they thought they were, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I know it's kind of the same question, but, but anything you learned about people in general, you know, not any individual, but, but people in general, when they're forced in these adverse conditions. I mean, I think you just made a really good point. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but maybe, maybe all of us, maybe we need to devolve a little bit before we can, oh, okay. we can, we can actually evolve into some, into the person we want to be, you know what I mean? We, we all have who we think we are um, and who we actually are and huh. who we want to be, you know what I mean? Now and, you're tripping me out a little bit. Here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're getting, we're getting psychedelic without uh, any uh, shrooms yeah. on this show. I was going to say last episode, they were foraging for mushrooms. You think I didn't watch, <laughs> see, I, I watched the whole thing. So I, I know. So I, none for me, by the way, just like the show, but <laughs> me neither. I'm good. I'm good. Um, but I like, Hey, I like to get psychedelic with conversations we're doing it right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, I mean, that, 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 I think that, that, I think there was a lot of that recognition in these individuals as we went, you know? Um, and it was just, man, I mean, I don't want to, like I yeah. you said, I can't spoil and I don't want to really put names on these people right now because I want people to experience for themselves. Uh, but there was just certain people that, you know, are, are throughout the series just totally changed my perception of them. And I think mm. probably their perception of themselves. And I bet they surprised themselves uh, quite a bit in what they were able to withstand because as humans from a survival aspect, like we are capable of a lot. The body is a powerful thing. It can survive some pretty extreme conditions and continue on. Right. But I think the mind can do the same thing. Uh, I think we just limit ourselves and we feel a little bit of pain or discomfort and we run from it. You know what I mean? Um, And in this situation, there is no running. There's nowhere, you know, I mean, I guess you can do laps around the raft, but (laughs) that's going to be a short track. So yeah, that's what, that's, that was what was unique in this situation. It was like, you know, you're, you're confined in this world with these people that you have to, conf- you just have to confront. There's no getting, there's no getting around it. Very good. Again, the show's called survive the raft on discovery Sunday, two quick sports questions. I'll get you out of here, but I promise they're sort of on brand on topic here. So one, 
you know, we talked about leadership earlier. Uh, I, as I mentioned, you played for the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm a college football guy. I've been obsessed with Pete Carroll forever. I know you were only with him for a few weeks and, you know, you can't do any, you know, again, major uh, evaluations of anybody, but what has made him such a successful leader? Because obviously he's been doing it at a high level in Seattle for a decade plus now USC before that, all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, I was, I was really fortunate with uh, my coaches and um, you know, most of my career at Texas, I played for Mac Brown. And once again, one of these people, an incredible leader um, just remembers everybody, you know, mm. and everybody's family and just genuinely cares and checks up with people and former players. They hit him up, even guys that barely played and he's, he's, he's available, you know, and that's pretty incredible. And then I go to Seattle and Pete, uh, Pete and Mac are very different at the same time. Like they're, they have different philosophies and all that. But what I loved about Pete, um, was, and he's very open about this, you know, he, he'd been coaching for a long time and he was in the NFL before and it didn't go so hot, you know, and he completely changed his philosophy. He did what a lot of these people are forced to do on survival raft. You know what I mean? He took a look at himself. Like, what am I, what am I missing here? What am I doing wrong? Why am I producing these results? And why am I not happy? You know? Mm. And he changed that. He went to USC, he changed his philosophy and not only did they start winning, but he just, I think he started enjoying it so much more. And then you see him now in Seattle and he's been there for, I don't even know how many years now, 12, 13 years. I, I, I might be wrong. He's been there for a while. And he's the oldest coach in the league and he doesn't look like it. Oh, he no. doesn't act like it. He's very youthful, but like at practice, what always stood out and in the games was like, we're not yelling unless it's encouraging people mm. know when they screw up, you know, especially you guys at that level in the NFL. So it's like, you're not going to play or you're going to lose your job. If you keep making the same mistakes, it's that simple. I don't need to just like, you know, dog cuss you. Uh, I'd rather just be positive, you know, and like keep that kind of momentum and, and just compete, compete, compete. I mean, he's always about competing every day. And so anyway, that was something about Pete that really stood out in his leadership style. And he's just, you know, he's having fun and enjoying doing it and, you know, love him or hate him. You may hate him if you, you know, if he's beat you plenty of times, but um, you know, he's hard to not respect. We need, we need Pete Carroll's positivity on survive the raft here. So last question. Um, <laughs> you so you, you, you were, te- you're a Texas guy. I mean, I got to ask big 12 yeah. favorites going to the sec next year. I know you're, you're busy. You don't, you were maybe uh, on a remote, uh, whatever. You don't have time to break down the depth chart, but give me what you think of the longhorns coming into this year. Last year, the big 12 SEC's coming up, you know, bam on in week two. I, I got to get the scouting report. I mean, I mean, I'm excited. I'm always excited this time of year. Uh, and sometimes your excitement gets, uh, you know, <laughs> gets snuffed out pretty quick. Uh, but I'll say this. I mean, I was at that game last year when they played Alabama and, uh, you know, and Quinn, uh, our quarterback, Quinn Ewers went out. He was, he was on fire that first quarter and right. then he got hurt and, you know, Hudson card came in a backup um, and did everything he could. And the defense played their guts out, you know, and they lost, we lost by one point. Um, but we were in it and we felt, and we, I think we outplayed him. We just didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't win the game. You know what I mean? The scoreboard uh, didn't go our way. And that's, Hey, in those situations, you got to tip your hat and move on. Um, and I think the team grew a lot last year and learned a lot. And this year, yeah. I mean, my only worry is that they are the favorites, you know, and, are, yeah. and, and that they're looking ahead to the sec in 2024 and all those things. That's my concern, but the talent is there. The, the, the belief is there. The coaching is there. I think. Um, and you know, they're, they're right where they need to be. And then we haven't won the big 12 in a long time. So it would be, it would be sweet. It'd be nothing better to me 
no matter how the rest of the season goes, if we can find a way to uh, exit the Big 12 with that championship, uh, that'd be pretty special. Fantastic. Well, the show is called, again, Surviving the Raft, Discovery Channel, Sunday. Uh, man, I really appreciate your time. I know you're doing a lot of interviews today, and you know, I don't know when you just got back from, from actually doing this. So, uh, Nate Boyer, again, I appreciate the time. Thank you, and uh, we'll all be watching Sunday, okay? Thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate it, brother. Take care, guys. I'm done. I know I can't Good stop job, anything. Man. So no, awesome. it's no, it's my pleasure. And to to both Taylor and Jeremy, thank you for getting me the the um the preview episode because I think it you know one it's really good but two it it helps set everything up that we did today so i appreciate you guys getting it to me and uh well, you got thank the, you, you. Got the lo- by far the longest interview brother oh okay yeah. i won't tell anybody it'll be our and little also, secret uh, just real quick would it be possible it's survive the raft not surviving the raft okay i apologize yeah i can no, edit no it. I... It just to fix that in post-production or anything yeah we can figure that out Perfect. Yeah, Thank I can, t- you so I can get t- take care of that. Yeah, I apologize about that. No, 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 no worries at all. I was so busy Please. watching that, you know, I can't get the basic facts right. But anyway, <laughs> you were in the <laughs> moment too. Survive. You were surviving. In yes, seat. yes. I was. Yeah. So you know, a lot put, put a lot of pressure on myself on this interview. So you know, whatever. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. Have a great afternoon, Nate. Thanks, thank Aaron. you again for the time, and uh, we'll be. Hey, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Do want to go ahead and wrap with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. But before we get to that, do very quickly want to thank Nate Boyer for making some time to join me last segment. Obviously, if you listened, Nate won. I, I don't know him, but he seems like an unbelievable guy. And his background is incredible. Military service, walk on at Texas played at Texas, played in the NFL. At some point in the future, I hope to get him back on just to talk about his background. But at the same time, the show looks awesome. The show not only looks awesome, I watched episode one. It is really good. It is called Survive the Raft, again, on Sunday night on Discovery. Cannot encourage you enough to check it out. I really did enjoy episode one. Thank you again to Nate Boyer, and thank you again uh, to the folks that helped set up that interview. By the way, can always help Torres let people like if I ever anybody on the show, go ahead and tag them on social media at Nate Boyer. You know, let them know that you heard him on this show and how much you appreciate it really does kind of help guys like him get on shows like this. So if you enjoyed the interview, make sure to tag him on Twitter. Thank him for the time and thank him for joining me on the Aaron Torres pod. With that said, it is time for me to wrap and it is time to get to the final segment of the show, which we do every week here on the Aaron Torres pod where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you probably know, but yes, I did steal this from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Every single week, Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring that segment to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast for one very simple reason. It is because over the course of a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, nobody loves giving out more hot sports takes than your boy Torres. Torres said this, Torres said that, Torres told you you should have listened to blah, 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 blah. I never shut up. Just ask my wife. Anyway, we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong every week for one simple reason. It is because while I love to acknowledge all the stuff I get right, I get a lot of stuff wrong too, and we got to talk about that. So let's get to it. My best and worst takes of the week and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So look, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. We've spent the last two episodes on this, but I have told you for months 
The Big 12 was going to expand. They weren't going to stay at the 12 teams that they're currently at once Texas and Oklahoma leave. And when they expand, Colorado would be the first domino to fall. Now, listen, I'll be blunt. I still don't totally understand why it had to be Colorado, what Colorado brings that other schools don't. It will be interesting to see, by the way, Deion Sanders recruit in the state of Texas. He, of course, played for the Cowboys, uh, coached high school ball in the state of Texas. So it'll be interesting to see. I never really understood why Colorado was a priority, but it doesn't change the fact that I've been telling you for months this is going to happen. This is the first domino. We just talked about what's next. As new stuff comes out, we will continue to discuss it. But I've told you for a long time, Colorado would eventually end up in the Big 12. And on Wednesday, it became official. Well, Aaron was wrong. So all offseason and all summer long, if you've listened to anything that I've done college football related, whether it's on this show, the college football betting show, any radio interviews I've done, I have said that I didn't really understand why Alabama was being picked behind LSU in the SEC West. And frankly, it felt like the big trendy take for everybody to have in April, May, June was that LSU was has surpassed Alabama and been the best and will be the best team in the SEC West in 2023 after winning the SEC West a year ago. Well, I bring it up because last week at SEC Media Days, the media did vote. And while probably part of the headlines were that Vanderbilt got some first place votes in the East, uh, it was also worth noting that the media when push came to shove, picked Alabama to win the West this season. So listen, we'll find out if my take is right, that Alabama is being undervalued, but it felt, as I said, all offseason, like LSU, oh, they've surpassed Alabama. They're the better program. And I said, look, I love Brian Kelly, but this is a program that had 39 scholarship players when he took over in December of 2021. This is still very much a rebuild. Credit to the media. I think they got it right, picking Alabama to win the SEC West, which I did not expect to happen. Where Aaron was wrong. So I don't do a ton of high school football recruiting on this show. And we're not going to do it here. But did you see what happened in the recruiting world on Wednesday? Demarcus uh, Riddick, a five-star linebacker from the state of Alabama, had been committed to Georgia. He flips decides, I'm not going to be a Bulldog. I'm going to play for Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Listen, I get I've had Hugh Freeze on this show a ton. Um, I, I personally like him. Don't know if he likes me. Doesn't really matter. But I said when that job opened, I said there's only two guys you should call. Deion Sanders, if he's interested, and Hugh Freeze. And I believed all along that Hugh Freeze was the right guy for that job. And, of course, when he got hired, he had all the bad, oh, my goodness, what about this? What about that? And I said, look. This guy has won in the SEC. He's won against Nick Saban. He has had success in the toughest division in in college football in the SEC West, and he is going to recruit his brains out. Well, fast forward, here's what Hugh Freeze has done. They took a recruiting class that was ranked in the 60s when he took over for the 2023 cycle, got them into the top 20 when all was said and done. Now, I know a top 20 class doesn't matter when you're competing against Alabama or Georgia, but I thought it was symbolic that this guy is ready to put in the work. Then they have maybe the best portal class going, a ton of talent from all over, short up the offensive line, got Peyton Thorne, the quarterback transfer from Michigan State, and now 2024 is off to a hot start with a top 100 quarterback committed, Walker White, and also this five-star Demarcus Riddick. I know it's only one player. I know one linebacker isn't beating Alabama and Georgia by himself. 
but you got to start somewhere. Hugh Freeze is putting in that work. I told you from the beginning, this was the right guy for this job, and he was the guy Auburn should get. Ironically, where Aaron was wrong. When Jerry Pruitt got fired at Tennessee, I thought Tennessee should go get Hugh Freeze. But why I bring it up where Aaron was wrong. Did you see what happened to Jeremy Pruitt earlier this week? We know about the NCAA investigation. We know about a show cause that is not going to allow him to coach college football for a very long time. Well, on Thursday, it comes out that Jeremy Pruitt, who just a few years ago was making seven figures, a couple million dollars a year, five, six, seven million dollars as an SEC head coach at Tennessee, he took a job as a PE teacher in the state of Alabama, where I presume he will also be a head football coach. Listen, we can criticize whatever, fall from grace. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, I know he broke NCAA rules. I know he has to be punished. But to go from SEC head coach to PE teacher slash high school football coach is a huge fall. And where Aaron was wrong, just do me one quick favor. Do not Google Aaron Torres, Jeremy Pruitt. Don't do it on YouTube and don't do it on Twitter. Because there were moments in time where I thought that he was the guy that was going to save Tennessee football, including that year when they won, what, six, seven games to end the season? Uh, Yeah, I was very wrong on that. Jeremy Pruitt, the guy that I thought was going to save Tennessee football, it was Josh Heupel, it turns out. That guy is now a PE teacher in Alabama. Unbelievable. Where Aaron was right. All right, so I haven't talked about it on this show, but I have talked about it on my Fox Sports radio show. Um... James Harden, we don't talk a ton of NBA on this show, but feels like a topic I should throw into Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Um, And when James Harden demanded the trade, I said point blank. I said, are we sure? Like, like, Like when James Harden demanded that trade, it immediately becomes, well, I mean, maybe the Clippers are interested. Maybe this team's interested. Maybe that team's interested. And what I said is, are we sure there's a market in the trade market for a guy who is like 33, 34 years old out of shape, throws coaches under the bus, throws teammates under the bus, doesn't perform in the playoffs. And here's the thing about James Harden. This guy has had everything handed to him over the course of his career. This was a guy that got to handpick multiple superstar teammates, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook in Houston. Oh, by the way, Dwight Howard was a superstar when he signed in Houston. This was a guy that wasn't happy got traded to play with his best friend, Kevin Durant, then he wasn't happy there, then gets traded to Philly to play with Joel Embiid. And so what I said was, are we sure there's a trade market? Well, not only is there not a trade market, but people are finally starting to say what I said about this guy. Here is what Tracy McGrady said about James Harden in an interview with GQ. I don't understand for the life of me what James Harden is doing. Why are you trying to get out? That makes zero sense to me. Not only that, but I look at all the teammates he's played with. James has probably played with more Hall of Famers than anybody in the league, and he doesn't have a ring to show for it. I don't know what he's looking for, and maybe there's some internal BS that is going on that we don't know about it because it doesn't make any sense to leave the MVP, leave the Eastern Conference where you have a shot to play for a championship. How about Tracy McGrady going nuclear on James Harden, and he's 100% correct. I'm sorry, we don't talk a ton of NBA because you guys don't like NBA because of people like James Harden. Guy has been given everything, every opportunity, every teammate, every coach, and all he does is complain. All he does is throw people under the bus, and it feels like finally somebody besides me is seeing it. Where Aaron was wrong. 
So I think on Monday's show, I was a little too hard on Pac-12 commissioner George Klyavkov, who obviously is not having a very good week this week with the Colorado News. But I came on the show and I said that I did not like the messaging from the Pac-12 when the commissioner said something to the effect of, we're not here to talk about the media deal. We're here to talk about football. And I was critical. And in hindsight, I, I really did think about it. Like, I don't think there was anything he could say because I don't think that there is any good news to share with the media. And so I'm sorry to G- George Klyavkov. I probably went a little harder than I should have. But listen, there's no media deal to be had. There's nothing to share. Even if there was some positive news, you can't say anything until a contract is signed. So I acknowledge George Klyavkov, my bad. Probably should not have said what I said. Finally, let's get to two more Aaron Wrights because I've been very right this week. One, Otani isn't getting traded. We don't talk much Major League Baseball. I have never understood why the Angels would trade him. You're not going to get a haul for him because of the fact that teams are not going to trade away their entire farm system to get a guy who might leave in the offseason. And oh, by the way, if the Angels want any chance of re-signing him, you better not trade him now. And then the final where Aaron was right. Interesting story out of college hoops. We talked a lot this week about the Maui Invitational, about Kansas and North Carolina. Did you see where Arkansas will host Purdue in a charity exhibition game? And so where Aaron was right, I've said it many times. When Coach Moss, Eric Musselman, took the Arkansas job, I said this guy's a home run. And the thing about him, he creates so much interest in his program. And think about how much I've talked about Arkansas basketball on this show post-Coach Muss versus pre-Coach Muss. Post-Coach Muss, just think about everything that goes on in the offseason. First of all, there's the season where the team has been successful. But then you have the transfer portal. You have high school recruiting. You have the NBA draft. You have NBA Summer League. You have scheduling. They're hosting Duke in the regular season, and now they're hosting Purdue in a charity exhibition. How about Coach Muss giving a reason for his fans to get excited here in late July? For college basketball season, he's right up there with John Cal. Him and Cal might be the only ones in terms of being able to create interest in your program in the offseason. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. One quick scheduling note, as I said, uh, as of right now, it feels probably a little unlikely that I will have an episode ready to go first thing Monday morning. I am Uh, I will be out on Sunday night, kind of just a a thing that I got on the schedule. And so I will try to do an episode Monday afternoon, um, but no guarantee we get a Monday episode. Next episode might not be until Tuesday. Stay tuned for that. But that's all for today's show. Thank you guys and girls for listening. A couple things. One, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, if you could leave a rating and review on on the Apple page, But make sure you're subscribed, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure uh, to follow on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. A big thank you again to Nate Boyer for his time earlier in the show. And that's it. It's time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrin Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F head unblock me, bro. I'll be back Monday or maybe Tuesday. Next episode of the Aaron Torres sports pod. Thank you both. Thank you all for listening. 
I will be back soon.